pastor for the opportunity for allowing me to to get a share a message. Uh, if, I think just about everybody's heard me uh, preach before, teach before in here. And um, one thing about me, I'm not a long-winded preacher. I, I have something I want to say. I say it, and then uh, I call that good. I'm, I'm done. Uh, and I want to give a little explanation. I don't know if I ever really have on why I do that. One thing is, is when I prepare a message, I prepare it in a way that I can receive it. Uh, I don't know. I'm sure it's worse with millennials like myself, but we have shorter... Uh, um, attention spans. We just we just do not pay attention for a long period of times. Uh, we we struggle at that, I guess you would say. And so when I prepare a message, I prepare a message that is very. I, I don't think this is wrong to say, but very cut and dry. You know, right to the point, and um, because it's how I can uh, take God's word and apply it to my life. And I, so that's the reason that. A lot of times I'll, I'll do that. I'll, a message for me, a long one, is a half hour. I mean, that, that's a long time for me to, to, to stay up here and talk. But nevertheless, um, I'm thankful for the opportunity I have. Uh, thank you for the opportunity that God uh, called me to preach and, uh, and entrusted me with this. And uh, I'm thankful for the fact that my pastor allows me the opportunity to preach. So uh, with all that being said, tonight um, we're going to be in Luke chapter 15, but um, I guess I guess I'll read the passage first, and then uh, we'll get into the message. So we're gonna uh, be in Luke chapter fifteen. We're gonna start in verse eleven. And uh, if if you would go ahead and stand for the reading of God's word, if you're able to. Verse eleven says, "And he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me." And he delivereth unto him his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land and he began to be in want. And he went and journeyed himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him into his fields to feed the swine. And he would uh, faint have he filled his belly with the husk of the uh, with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, "How many hired servants of my father have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. I am no more worthy to be." called thy son, make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose, and he came to his father. But when he was yet a great ways off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said, said unto his father, Father, and said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight. I am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe, and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat, and be merry. For my son was dead, and is alive again. He was lost, and is found. And they began to be merry. Let's uh, pray, and then we'll get into the message. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity we have to come together and to 
just to read from your word, Lord, and then to try to explain it and to apply it to our lives, Lord. I just pray that you would uh, help me do that this evening, Lord, that um, people here would have open ears and open hearts to hear from you, Lord. And God, we're just so grateful and thankful for you loving us, Lord. We ask and pray this in your son's name. Amen. You may be seated. So, I, I kind of messed around with a couple different titles. I mean, a title is, you know, what, what is a title? But I, I, what I titled this is Making a Plan or Making a Plan to Get Back on Track with God. So, a lot of times what I like to do, because one thing, one thing I really like, anybody else like me that really just likes quotes, just likes a good quote? I mean, it's just a good quote just at the right time. Mm, it's good. So... What I do a lot of times whenever I'm making a, a lesson or making a, a, a sermon or a message, whatever you want to call this, is I'll go to Google and I'll Google different um, quotes on this topic. So I Google quotes on making plans. I have several of them here I want to read to you. It says, uh, life is what happens to us while we are making other plans. Has that been true to anybody else in here? Mm-hmm. A goal without a plan is just a wish. A goal without a plan is just a wish. Um, a good plan implemented today is better than a perfect plan implemented tomorrow. General George Patton said that. A good plan implemented today is better than a perfect plan implemented tomorrow. Uh, if you don't know where you are going, you will end up somewhere else. Uh, Yogi Berra. He was a pit, uh, catcher for the Yankees. Yeah. Um, then uh, here's one. Uh, always plan ahead. It wasn't raining when Noah built the ark. True, right? Always plan ahead. How about uh, good fortune is what happens when opportunity meets with planning? You know, good fortune is what happens when opportunity meets with planning. And this one here I like from Abraham Lincoln. He said, give me six hours to chop down a tree, and I will spend the first four hours sharpening the axe. Planning ahead. So you have to plan before you can accomplish a goal. Uh, I know this seems elementary, I know this seems simple, but try to follow me through here. And, uh, but in whatever goal that you have set, if you have a goal of weight loss set, you have to plan in order to accomplish that goal. Uh, if you have a goal of reading the Bible through, you, you need a plan in order to accomplish that. If you have a plan, or if you have a goal to, to drive from here to uh, in Florida, you need, I mean, you can just get on the road and maybe kind of, but it's, you need a plan. You know, you need some kind of routing. You need a plan. If you have, um, and this, this kind of, well, it, it, if you have um, a desire to get out of debt, that's a good desire to have, but you need a plan to accomplish that. And then for me, this, this is real personal here because I just went through this, but if you have a desire to change your job, you got to have a plan. So I'm going to share real quick with y'all. Most of y'all already know, but just about a year ago, I was really fed up with my job, and I decided I want to change my career path. I want to do something different. And so I made a plan. I went, I went to a trade school. I went and visited there and looked about how much it would cost and, and how quickly I can get through it. And then I looked, well, I need to change to work at night so I can go to school during the day. And I made a plan. And today, just over a year later, I've accomplished that goal. I have changed my career path. I'm no longer in the career I was. I'm in a new career field. But it, it didn't just happen. 
I had, you know, this actually applies really well because I had a desire. Uh, I work in a uh, in a class eight diesel shop for semi trucks now, and uh, I've always wanted to be a diesel tech ever since college. I, I had a diesel pickup then, and uh, I, I just became fascinated with with diesel technology and and how much power a diesel engine can make versus a gas engine, and it just was always fascinating to me. And you can ask my wife. Even before we got married, I, I thought about you know going into a trade school to go try to become a diesel tech. And it took almost seven, eight years for me to finally, instead of just wanting this, to actually put action to this plan. So it takes a plan and it takes action. We'll get into all this, Bo. But if your desire, and I hope this is your desire, is to get right with God or become closer to God, that's a great desire to have, but it's not just going to happen. You need a plan. So that's what we are going to look at today, making a plan and following through to get back on track with God. So I have um, I have three points. It's a three-step plan, but one of the points has a, the first point here has a point A after it. So, and you don't have to go through that. We'll get to that here in a minute. Uh, it just kind of depends how hard-headed you are. Okay. So point one. Let's look at verse fourteen that we read there. Point one. Verse 14 says, uh, And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Talking about the son, went to his father, said, Father, give me uh, my inheritance, basically. Father did, and he went off. He spent it all. He blew it all. And he ended up with nothing, and he ended up being very hungry. Verse 14 at the end of it says, And he began to be in want. The son came to a place in his life that he wanted to change. He didn't want to be hungry. He, he, you know, nobody wants that, but he came to a place that he wanted to change. Um, having or being in a situation that you don't like or having a desire to change is the first step. So applying what we're talking about tonight, the title about being closer to God or, or making your relationship right with God, the first thing is you have to want that. You have to want a close relationship with God, um, you know. Have you, have you ever tried to help somebody that, that didn't want help? Have you ever, uh, maybe you've dealt with somebody that's an alcoholic before and, and you try to help them? If they don't want help, oh, it, it, you're, you're just, I don't know, you're, you're, you're wasting your time is the, is the biggest part. If, if you try to deal with anybody with any kind of situation in their life and you're trying to help them, if they don't want help, then you're wasting your time. The first thing is that you have to want uh, a closer relationship with God. Now, I hope everybody in here, we can just skip over this point. Uh, you know, everybody falls into this category that they want a closer relationship with God. I believe that to be true, but I don't. I don't know that. So, hopefully, you have that desire, and you say, "Well, step one, check. I want to be closer to God." Hopefully, every Christian has that desire. But if not, I encourage you to go and read through the gospel account and specifically go and read through the crucifixion account. And if you are truly a Christian and you read through that and, and you don't have some type of desire pulling you to want to be closer to your Lord and Savior, I, say, I, I don't say this to make anybody doubt their salvation. That's, I'm not a fan of that, but I would truly check your salvation. If, if reading through that does not give you a desire to want to be closer to God, Something is not right there. Something is not lined up. 
that will give you a desire to be closer to God. Have you ever noticed that in the Christian life, it kind of ebbs and flows, at least in my life. Sometimes I'm uh, doing exactly what I need to be doing, and my, my relationship with God is really good, and other times it's not so much. My, my Bible reading slacks off. My prayer life slacks off. I don't know if anybody else is in that same group, but uh, to me, my, my Christian life seems like it ebbs and flows. Some, sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm really, really close to God, it feels like, and I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Other times, not so much. My flesh kind of takes over. Um, so if you've had those experiences before where you... Uh, look at the point of your salvation. That was one of the times I felt closest to God in my life. Um, it, you have a, a desire automatically to go back and to have that. It, it's kind of set into you. But point 1A, now this is the point I was saying that you don't have to go through. The first point is you have to have a desire. You have to have a desire to want to be closer to God. But point 1A, let's read verse 15 and 16. It says, and when he journeyed, uh, and and he went and journeyed and joined himself to a citizen of that country, uh, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine, and he would have faint have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And then the very first part, of verse seventeen. And when he came to himself, so the son continues to try to work his way out of this mess. He he goes to his father. He asks his father for his inheritance. His father gives it to him. He goes off into a far country, spends all the money, becomes very hungry, doesn't have anything to turn to, goes to this person in that country, and this man gives him the job of feeding the, the swine, and he doesn't have any food to eat other than what the pigs are eating. Is, is basically what it boils down to right there. Um, so instead of back in verse 14 when he says, and he began to be in want, he had a desire to change, he could have changed right there, but instead he kept going farther. Um, and this is what I call rock bottom. Sometimes in order to change, you have to hit rock bottom. Um, whatever situation it is, you can apply it to any situation in your life, but if we're talking about having a rela relationship with God and being closer to God, sometimes, unfortunately, Christians have to hit rock bottom. They have to go far, far into sin before they turn around and make... Uh, and come back towards God. That's just part of it. If you're smart, if you're, um, if you had more life experience, maybe maybe you don't have to go through that. Maybe you once you are in want, like in verse 14, you can say, "This is not working. I'm not going to continue down this path." But this young man here, he he was stubborn, just like many of us, and continued on down the same path. And in verse 17, it says, "And he went." And when he came to himself, in my view, that is his rock bottom, his lowest point. Many people want to change, but don't because they don't want to admit defeat. You know, have you ever noticed that? Anybody that's in debt, if you ask them they want to be out of debt, what are they going to tell you? Yeah, I want to be out of debt. That sounds amazing. But they don't want to do the hard work it takes to get out of debt. Anybody that wants to lose weight, you have to ask somebody ask them if they want to lose weight. They'll tell you, yeah, I want to lose weight. But they don't want to do the hard work it takes to lose weight. It, whatever situation in your life or in whatever situation you can think of, people want to change, but they don't often because they do not want to admit defeat. Anybody like to admit when, when they've been wrong? It's one of the worst things in the world, isn't it? Facing the music. If you're smart, you can change your course before you hit rock bottom. Uh, which is what I believe we see in verse 17 there, I said. 
Um, you don't have to hit rock bottom if you follow your desire to change before you get there. I know that, you know, well, that's common sense, but hitting rock bottom is one of the worst things in the world. Now, have I hit rock bottom in, in my spiritual life? No. Have I, you could say, well, financially, maybe you've hit rock bottom or maybe you've hit rock bottom in, in your marriage. I don't know. Um, my story about rock bottom, and, and this is what I, this is how I would describe being at rock bottom, is uh, a feeling of helplessness. Um, I, I grew up in a very, what I would call a very rough home, and uh, uh, you know, as as a, a teenager, a young teenager, I felt trapped. I felt helpless. It was very uh, discouraging to me, um, and that that's kind of how I can look at rock bottom. Because I've not hit rock bottom financially or spiritually or in my marriage. I, I pray to God I never have to. But I know there's enough life experience in this room that somebody's hit rock bottom in some aspect of their life. And it's it's miserable. It is absolutely terrible. So I encourage you, don't go, don't continue down the path if it's not working. You know, Rock bottom is nowhere to be... Um, uh, oftentimes, once you get there, there's only one place you can look up. You've heard that saying, right? And you look to God. But it's nowhere you want to be. So I encourage you, when you see that the situation that you're in is not as close to God as you should be, change. Don't continue on. Change then. So that's part 1A. You don't, you don't have to go through 1A. You can skip 1A if you're smart enough, okay? But many of us are not. We're hard-headed. Point two, we see in verse 18 and 19, he says, I will arise and go to my father. I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. Making a plan is extremely, extremely important in getting back on track with God. In getting your relationship back to where it should be with God. Again, uh, we can talk about, you know, I want to lose weight or I want to get a six-pack of abs. I can want that all I want, but until I put the work into it, I'm not going to receive that. I can desire to be out of debt all I want, but until I work at that, I'm not going to achieve that. I can want my marriage to be strong and thriving, but until I work at that, I'm not going to achieve that. Just because this, this young man in verse 14 began to be in want, and just because in verse 17 I believe he hit rock bottom when he came to himself, that does not change the fact that he still has to make a plan to get back where he needs to be. And I believe you see the plan right there that he makes in verse 18. He says, I will arise. He makes this plan to go back to his father. Making a plan is extremely important in getting back on track with God. You can have a desire to change um, until, you know, you, you can have a desire to change and you can have such passion to change, but until you make a plan, it does nothing. A desire is just a desire. It's, it's like the quote that I read there at the beginning. A goal without a plan is just a wish. You have to have a plan. Um, and the great thing is it does not have to be a complex plan. To get back on track with God, it does not have to be a complex plan. Every situation is different um, when, you know, but what it boils down to on getting back on track with God, it boils down to this, to do right. Do right when nobody else is watching. Do right when everybody else is watching. Do right. I, I heard um, a, 
a preacher one time say, and this has always stuck in my head, but he said, do right, and when that stops working, do right. And it's always stuck in my head. I, I, don't, I don't know who said that. I just remember I heard that while I was in college. I couldn't put his face to it or anything, but the, that quote just stuck in my head. I, I, don't, I didn't write it down or anything. It's just always been stuck in my head. But do right, and when that quits working, do right. Your plan to get back on track with God, to get your relationship back with God in a sweet fellowship with God, is not complex. It does not have to be a 52-step plan. It's simple. Do right. Do what God says in His Word. Make a plan to get back on track with God. Plan to read your Bible. Plan to pray. Plan to be a Christian example for others. Again, I know this is maybe elementary stuff, easy stuff to understand, but it's what, it's what I like because it's what makes sense to me. So make a plan to get back on track with God. Verse 20, we see him putting action into this plan. We see him executing this plan. Verse 20 says, And he arose and came to his father, and when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. So first... We see that the young man's in want. Then we see him, him hit rock bottom. Then we see him make a plan in verse uh, 18. And then in verse 20, we see him execute the plan when he says, and he arose. Again, just like having a desire is great, but it's nothing until you make a plan. Well, same thing here. Having a plan, having a desire is, is awesome. It's a great thing to have to get back on track with God. But it means absolutely nothing until you put action into it. It does no good sitting there wanting, desiring to be closer to God and not doing anything about it. The, cool, the, the thing I've seen about this is it being a three-step plan is wanting to change, making a plan, and then putting action into it. Two of the three is just mental. It's just you, okay, I want to change. Here's what I'm going to do. And the third step is actually putting action into it. Two-thirds of it is mental, one-third's physical. This is uh, action is the only physical thing that you have to do. It's not enough just to want to get out of debt or to lose weight or to change your job or to read through the Bible. And it's not just enough to, to plan to get out of debt, to plan to lose weight, to plan to change your job or to read through the Bible. But you must put... Uh, action into your plan. You say, man, this stuff is simple. This stuff is simple, Jed. I know it is. But the thing is, this stuff works. And you say, how do you, how do you know it works? Well, I see that Jesus taught this right here in his parable. I love doing this with the Bible. I, it's just kind of how I look at it. But I, I look at the Bible in, in I guess, kind of a math format. I guess you say you do this and this and this and this is your outcome. I love seeing that in the Bible because I can understand it. It makes sense to me. And that's exactly what I see in this story, what exactly I'm trying to share with you, is this young man, he made bad decisions. He went down the wrong road. Verse 14, he, became, he began to be in want. Verse 17, he, he hits rock bottom. And when he came to himself, verse 18, he makes a plan, I will arise. And verse 20, he executes that plan and he arose. Simply wanting a better marriage or making a plan to have a better marriage, whether it's through counseling, whether it's through uh, scheduling a date night or scheduling time together, is not enough. 
You can want and want and want until the cows come home. It does not make any difference until you put action to it. Simply wanting um, to tackle what Paul calls it is the sin that does so easily beset you. The sin that just trips you up just like that. Wanting to tackle that sin and once and forever uh, overcoming that sin in your life, whatever that is. I can sit up here and name sin after sin after sin. I don't need to because I believe the Holy Spirit does a a fantastic job at convicting people of the, the sin in your life. And you know with me, if you're listening to me at all, you, you probably already have that sin in your mind. It's probably already up there. It, it just came into your mind when I talked about that. I don't have to sit up here and name them off one by one. You know that just wanting to get rid of that sin, wanting to overcome that sin is not enough. You have to put plan. You have to plan to overcome it. And then on top of that, you have to put action into overcoming it. Simply wanting to become a better witness is not enough. Simply making a plan to become a better witness, whether it's through studying God's Word, whether it's through um, going on Google Maps and making a map and, and saying, okay, these are the houses I'm going to go door knock on, invite them to church and talk to them about Jesus. That's not enough. Whatever your quote-unquote sin is, that is keeping you from a closer relationship with God. Just wanting to change it's not enough. Just making a plan to change it is not enough. You must put action into your plan. Uh, works without faith is dead. Uh, you want to see my faith, I'll show you my faith by my works. You have to put action into what you believe. You call yourself a Christian, I encourage you to live that out. I just want to give you the opportunity in your mind to desire to change it, to think of just a simple plan in your life. Whatever you struggle with, think of a plan around it. There is a plan. God made a way. Think of a way around it. And then lastly, apply that plan to your life. Have that close relationship with God that you've had in the past and that you desire to have again. I encourage you to do that. It's, it's not hard. It's easy. Just pray that that was a blessing to you and you take that and apply that to your life. I know it's simple. I know it's um, elementary, I guess you would say, but it works. It simply works. So let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Lord, we come to you this morning we are, or this evening, Lord, and we, again, thank you, Lord, uh, for this opportunity that we have that we don't take it for granted, the fact that we can come together and meet together freely here, Lord that we can uh, read your word publicly and uh, proclaim it publicly, Lord. I just pray that we would not take that for granted, Lord. I thank you for the opportunity you allowed me here, Lord. I pray that the message would go forth and accomplish the will that you have for it, Lord. I love you, and thank you for loving us. In Christ's name, amen.